0: welcome to her money's worth a community and podcast focused on helping you to sort out your money navigate the world of investing and build long-term wealth you're joined by your host olivia and each week we deepen our knowledge about all things finance and ensure we're getting our money's worth from every hard earned dollar let's get started welcome back to the podcast for old listeners or new listeners I'm so happy to have you here and in today's episode, we are going to be doing a book club episode and I'm super excited for this specific book and to talk about it because today we are talking about one of the books that I personally believe could be one of the best books that you could ever read on your personal finance journey. And we're going to be unpacking four lessons that I took from the book and that I think represent the main lessons that Dave, the author, would like us to take away from what he talks about in his book. And I know saying that this could be one of the best books you ever read on your personal finance journey is a huge call, but I really do think that this book could have a huge impact on absolutely anyone and that there's lessons that everyone can take from it. If you've been following along, of course, you would know that the book is called Strong Money Australia, and it is one of the few, if not really the only book that actually talks about achieving this idea of fire or financial independence using the tools that we have specifically available in Australia, but it also talks about the last 10 or so years. So it's a specific time period and it's specific to Australia. So it is unique in the sense of it being applicable to those of us who are in Australia and this time period. But there's still lessons for everyone in it. But I think this is really exciting because a lot of the fire information or financial independence information that I have personally consumed, um, and honestly, even just personal finance information generally, before the last couple of years, and even until recently, has been American. Um, and I think only recently have we started hearing more about personal finance from an Australian perspective in the last few years from bloggers or podcasters or influencers, if you want to use that word as well. And I still think that there's room for more nuanced perspectives and through different mediums, which is why I really love this book and think it's quite unique because of what I was talking about before, how it's so specific to Australia and the last sort of 10 year period um and i think it's really cool that within this book you can actually deep dive into this topic instead of trying to like pick and grab different bits of information from different books and different podcasts and which is what i kind of do did when i was sort of learning about fire as well and you can almost use this book as type of like a manual if you're interested in pursuing financial independence and go to this and kind of refer back to it which is really cool um and if you are interested in pursuing some level of financial independence which in my opinion everyone should be to some degree um, this book is great and we'll talk about why and how everyone can pursue this and why it's applicable for everyone throughout this episode and throughout the four lessons that i'm going to be talking about so i for one am very grateful for the creation of this book and encourage anyone to read it but having said that I'm about to unpack the main part. So if you're not a book person, as I said, you can follow along with this finance personnel finance book club because we're unpacking the books in the podcast episode. So if you love to listen and you prefer to get the main points out of something instead of reading, that is totally fine. You're not on your own. Now, before we do dive into talking about some lessons that I took from the book, I think it's important for me to talk a little bit about the idea of what fire is and perhaps like why it might be applicable for everyone, even if you love your job, even if you earn a really good income, even if you've got a great situation, you can definitely still get something out of this. So if you're not too familiar with the concept of FI and you've never heard about it, put simply, it is financial independence, retire early. That's the acronym. And it is the idea that you can build up enough savings or investments, they need to be invested, so you can live off of the assets that you buy forever. And don't get too scared here if you're thinking like, well, I've never heard about this and how could this even be possible? Um, It is certainly possible, as is spoken about in the book. But even if you don't want that, even if you don't really want to retire early or you're not thinking that you want to build up enough savings or investments that you can live forever without having to work again, there's still going to be some amazing lessons for you that you can take into this. And it is just much more, and as Dave talks about in the book, it is much more about freedom and choices and security in life. And I don't know why everyone wouldn't want that. So even if you aren't too sure this is for you, keep listening because we are going to be pulling some really great stuff out of this book that you can absolutely apply to your personal finance journey. One more thing before I start talking about the lessons is I wanna give you a little bit of quick context about the background of the author, who is Dave Gao, and basically what his catalyst for all of this fire stuff was. Because I think that's something that's really interesting in terms of Dave's journey and why I love the book so much and why I've been a huge fan even before his book came out. I've listened to his podcast and I followed his socials. Um, And the reason he got into this was because when he was, I think like 18 or 19, he went straight into a full-time job and he loved this idea of going to work, getting money, paying for what he wanted. And he loved the environment and he loved kind of like the job he was in. I think it was something like factory or warehousing work from memory and what then happened is he loved it for a while and then one thing changed which from memory was a new horrible boss who just you know changed the whole dynamic um and his whole enjoyment of the job and his perspective of the idea of work um and that specific job completely just did like a 180 for him and i love that he highlighted this because i think that this is This is the thing that makes a lot of people not care about sorting out their money or not care about managing their money. And I think it's really important to plan ahead because you don't know what the longevity of your enjoyment is going to be in your workplace. You don't know what your priority is going to be in five to 10 years. So I think it's really important for us to all, of course, try and find something that we love and enjoy day to day, but always think about the fact that things can change. And honestly, I really relate to this because I think, when I first started working, I was super motivated to grow. I was loving the environment. I wanted to move up and it kept me motivated. But like Dave, after a, few years, thing, after a few years, sorry things did switch for me. And probably due to a few different factors, it wasn't like a horrible boss or anything. But then I kind of said like, hey, hold on. Like, what can I learn about finances? How can I maybe one day create more freedom and pursue something that I really love? So that is his background. That's what he talks about. And he really tries to highlight that no matter who you are, this is worth thinking about for your own freedom, security, and love of life for you know now and way beyond. So I hope that you've got some context and understand in basic terms what financial independence is all about you don't need to know the nitty-gritty details but i am going to talk about some of it in these four lessons so stick around because our last lesson is going to be really interesting because i'm going to explain whether dave thinks that shares or property are better for when you are trying to achieve financial independence or utilize cash flow to create freedom. And this is a highly contested topic and I'm really excited to talk about what Dave thinks. In addition to this, I'm also going to be announcing our next book club at the end of today's episode. So let's get into it. Let's talk about lesson one. The first thing that I took from reading this book, and I think that the thing that overall Dave is trying to teach us is something about mindset rather than money or investing, which is really interesting. And I think that it's that happiness is possible with a lot less than we think and that we do not require a huge income to live a happy life. And I don't know about you, but for me that this is really good news and I love having this reassurance because it's something I believe that when I'm seeing other people achieve a lot and live a great life on less income, I think that's really exciting. And I think the reason that this plays such a huge part in the book this type of mindset content, because I'd say like the first few chapters are about mindset and this idea of achieving happiness is because the idea of achieving fire or the idea of trying to get some level of financial independence in our life is going to require some, I'm gonna say the word sacrifice, but I think it's just more about spending less rather than actually sacrificing. But this is always at the start of building ourselves up or the start of trying to make our life better financially Because basically the path is trying to invest as much as you can at the start of your journey and then you will eventually get to the point where you can actually live off those investments. Now, this is not such a foreign concept, especially in Australia, because this is basically what we're doing with our super. We are contributing as we go through our working life, gets invested for us and then when we hit retirement age, we live off that for the rest of our life. This concept is basically just bringing this forward and doing it yourself instead of having it like government mandated for you. And if you've never heard of this concept as well, just to give you some really basic math, because I don't want this episode to be super overwhelming. I just want this to give you an idea. And you basically need 25 times invested the income you want to live off yearly. So if you want 40K annual income, you'd need a million dollars invested. Don't get scared off by these numbers, however, because those type of numbers are the ultimate fire goal or the ultimate financial independence goal. And there's a huge number of goals and steps in between achieving that. But back to the idea of learning about how to live a simple life and build happiness and changing our mindset to do that. Basically, Dave discusses that if you want to pursue financial independence at any stage, whether it's a million dollars invested or just a little bit invested, to find that money, you are obviously going to be needing to live on less than you earn. And his huge focus here, and lesson is fast, is that you need to be focusing on what actually makes you happy and what you value with your money and freeing up the rest of the stuff. So I talk about this a lot as well. If you really value travel and it's your one thing and you love it, you know, then you might need to be living in a smaller place. You might need to be not buying design clothes and maybe you're not going out to eat every night. However, you know, if you value eating out and you value having a beautiful home, then you maybe aren't going on trips all the time. And, And this is a lot of what he talks about within his book. And something that I found really interesting on this topic as well that Dave also talks about is the percentage of our money being spent on things such as like food and clothes and how that used to be a much higher percentage of our income. So in about 1950, it used to be around 42% and it's now only 17% of our income. So basically with this is he questions like what is now taking up our incomes? And he's got like a really nice table and stuff. If you look at the book and, he basically says that the other category that's jumped is called other and in summary it's like other things that we don't necessarily need but are being heavily heavily marketed to us and almost this transition in society we need all these other things and i don't think that dave doesn't want us to have hobbies or enjoy luxury every now and then and that's probably the things that are in this other category rather than those basics like just you know food to eat clothes that we've got homes that we need However, he wants us to have a think about, well, how much of our incomes are we actually putting on things that we really don't need and that probably also don't value and feed into our happy life or our life that we value. And some of this money is where we need to find that money to save and invest for ourselves, to build ourselves more freedom if that's what we want, or even if it's just a little bit more security, a little bit more saving to get to our longer term goals that's where the money needs to come from. It's not that we necessarily need to be cutting back on, you know, eating or clothing ourselves that we need. It's in this other category that has just blown up because of, he talks a lot about marketing, he talks a lot about society, and that's where that money needs to come from. Another point that I really love that Dave notes throughout the book is that he mentions he cannot think of anything more satisfying to spend money on than moving towards financial freedom. And he also talks about the fact that if we live in Australia, and I guess wherever you're listening to this episode, there's a chance that we already have a fantastic standard of living with our basic standards. Most of us, however, spending on what we value and not overspending can be really hard for us to do, even though we have such good living standards because we are constantly comparing ourselves to the few who are better off than us rather than the millions of people that are worse off than us. And I love that because I think that's another lesson on how gratitude can play a huge part in our financial journey and our success with money too. So overall, I guess what I'm trying to get at with this lesson, and there's a few different parts and things I wanted to highlight, but he really does emphasize throughout his entire book that with less, we can do more and our happy life that we value does not need to be spending everything we earn on achieving this great life for ourselves. We can actually achieve this by pushing down some of those expenses, especially from that other category. Um, Just a quick note before we get back into the show. I'm so excited about how this podcast is growing. And to those of you who've reached out to tell me you've started to sort out your money, begin building long-term wealth and started investing. If you want to help someone else to do the same, please know that if you take a moment to follow this show and review it, wherever you listen, it'll greatly help the podcast to grow. Thank you so much. And let's get back into the show. So lesson two leads in nicely from what we were just talking about. And the second lesson I took from this book, was how we can really have some huge saving wins. And he goes into a lot of detail to give you some really actionable steps. And there is so many from how to save on your phone bill to how to save on your car. But what I really took out of this and two of my favorite ones that I think were quite unique are the ones I'm gonna talk about in this episode. And they're ones I often don't see talked about enough. And they're ones that can just have a huge impact on our budget. And I know sometimes we get stuck in the, you know, oh, how can we save on our $30 bill? How can we buy less coffee? But these are ones that are big lifestyle changes that I think we do need to be talking about more and considering them in advance because they're big things that can have a huge impact. But basically his lesson in this next section is that there's so many places for us to find the money to invest, from that other category i was talking about before but also from the other cat like the other categories too that can move us closer to financial independence that we don't consider because like i was saying before marketing and society gives this has given this this new idea since probably 1950 of our new normal and our new needs and he also talks about in the book and i can't quite recall where it was but he highlights that if you want to go down this journey it is a unique mindset this is not for everyone and if you try and speak to people about this in your everyday life they might think you're mad so if you're listening to this podcast and you're already on a personal finance journey you probably already have a unique mindset but even for people that want to be good with money this is extremely unique so he does mention that so the things and the lessons within the book are i guess different from the norm however he talks about the fact that if you want to reap the rewards you do have to adopt a unique way of looking at things and try to detach yourself from society's expectation. And I wanted to preface with that before I talk about these two things, because I do think they're really unique. And I think if you act upon these, people may question what you're doing. So the first one that I pulled from this section of the book, and it's one of the biggest levers we have to pull on when it comes to lowering expenses, and it is what we are paying for our housing. And Dave really talks about this in one of his chapters where he warns us and says, don't pay for too much house. And I think that's a really great way of putting it. And the reason I wanted to highlight this, especially for an Australian audience, which is most of my audience, is because I think in Australia, a house is a marker of success, a marker of independence, a marker of where you're at in society. And he basically says that this is a mistake. And he notes that According to the Australian Bureau of Statistics, 77% of households have at least one to their bedroom and many have two or more. He really also encourages people to consider the location and the type of property they need. And I personally really love this because I completely agree. Um, and I think it really highlighted this complex that we've got in Australia about owning a freestanding home with three to four bedrooms. Like I said about the statistic before, more bedrooms than we need and it being in exactly the right area. And as someone that's lived overseas, this is just not how the rest of the world thinks or operates. And I don't think that this is the way that Australia is gonna be operating in 10, 20, 30 years. Um, And I really think if you are interested in moving ahead financially or pursuing fire like this book is about, it is one of the game changers. And if you are willing to negotiate on this, this will drive down your expenses and free up that money that you might then use to invest and achieve this freedom. And I really like this because I'm trying to do this and I have a two bedroom unit and I'm planning to hopefully live here until I need more space. And that would be if, you know, I ever had a child or really we got to the point where we couldn't, I guess, operate here if I was like fully working from home and both of us needed an office or something like that. But, You know, I can really see this being like five plus years. And by doing this, I've managed to have a super low mortgage repayment. Even with the interest rate rises recently, it's been quite affordable. So I've had that spare money to find and invest. So this is what he's talking about. And that can be a huge, huge game change and definitely a unique way of looking at things, especially, I think, in the Australian landscape. The next thing Dave encourages some saving on is the type of holidays we expect to go on. And I thought this was a great one because I really haven't seen this discussed very much. Um, And I know some people love and live for travel and I like travel too. So I would never say to stop this. And in the book, he does not say this. He just reminds us to think about what we really value. And how we can consider alternatives or mix up our experiences in the long run so that they aren't costing us that financial freedom and wealth we'd like to build up. Now, I'm, again, definitely trying to think about this in my own life because in the last few years, I've been reflecting when I've gone overseas and has it given me the experience I wanted? Has it given me that relaxation? Because I've done other things more locally, camping, holidays in Australia that I have gotten so much out of for so much cheaper so it's really kind of made me think and this I'm definitely in the beginning stages of thinking about this but it's really interesting to me because I think it's true and I absolutely want to go to Europe next year but given that I'm probably not doing too much and you know sort of just staying home or staying local I guess by then I'll be able to factor that in so he basically just prompts you know Do we need that overseas holiday every year that can end up costing us north of five or $10,000? Let's jump into lesson three now. Now I love lesson three. And what I took from this is basically you do not need as much as you think you might need to be financially independent. And that some level of financially independent or FIRE is for everyone. Now, before we get into this lesson, I don't want you to think that you don't need a lot of money to pay you for the rest of your life because you do. However, it's not probably as much as you think you need. And and I'm just making an assumption with that. So I think I might do an Instagram poll um, to see what people think, but exactly how much you're going to need is different for everyone. For example, if you just want to be financially independent, but still work or run a business or do a side hustle, you probably need a lot less than someone who is like, yep, I don't know, by the time I'm 40, I just want to lie on the beach all day, every day and never make another penny until I die. And just a spoiler, if you're going to read the book, he talks about the fact that those people are the exception, not the rule when it comes to this movement or this concept, because most people want to do this because they want security they want choice they want freedom they want to run their own ship and i think if you're the kind of person that's motivated enough to learn about this do it work hard enough to have the free money whittle down your expenses you're the kind of person that has drive it's definitely not a i think when i've spoken about it in the past people think like "Mm, that's lazy why wouldn't you want to work but This is not that kind of thing. This is for the kind of people that want to change their lives and build up a life that they love. So there's a chance you're probably going to want to do something with that free time, whether it's going to be volunteering, building up a side hustle, it'll probably be something that will produce some income for you. Within this lesson, it's really interesting as well, because Dave talks about the 4% rule. And if you haven't heard of this, basically put really simply, the 4% rule means you can sustainably withdraw and spend 4% of your investment portfolio and have this continue to sustain you. Given this, like we talked about before a little bit, the numbers, if you want say an income of 30K, you'd need to have $750,000 invested. And back to the lesson, which is you don't need as much as you think. Honestly, I really don't think the $750,000 sounds like that much if you are literally going to be sustained with an income of 30K, like that kind of blows my mind. And I really think if I went up to people in the street and asked them how much they think they would need to retire forever, they would say they need millions. And sure, you might be thinking, well, 30K is not going to be enough, you know, but maybe you would still be working and earning at least 30K from something you love or a part-time job. Then all of a sudden it's 60k, and maybe that's easily enough, and still lets you live your absolute best life. Let's say you want more. Let's say you want 60k coming in, then you need 1.5 million dollars. Again, not the millions and millions that you'd maybe think, which is a key thing that I picked up from this book. To give you another example that I really liked, Dave talks about him and both him and his partner mentions that their expenses around forty five thousand dollars a year including a mortgage which is amazing and i know they live in wa so it would be probably be a bit cheaper than a lot of capital cities um, on the eastern side but still meaning they only needed a million dollars to retire but that's between two people so again potentially teaming up with a partner on this goal could make it so much more achievable a lot sooner than you think And he also notes that many people when they go to do this, whether it's in their thirties, forties, even fifties, may have a low or paid off mortgage when considering it. So then you kind of don't need as big amount as you think you're gonna need. And he notes that him and his partner are really flexible. So when they actually, if they need more money, they can do more work. So they can potentially be really flexible. So again, this might work for you if you're thinking like, hey, I love my current job, but I just want to take off more time or I want to do a business. So I've got like no worries about paying the bills, but I still want to kind of build something. So you'll still have that income coming in. And he talks about the fact that the real joy of this journey is really just about that. It is about more flexibility, choosing work that brings more joy. And he talks about at the end that he does some volunteer work with like supporting turtles and it's super cute and sounds really fun. And he just notes that he would never have had this life or this time if he had never pursued this movement. Now on to lesson four, which is a bit of a juicy lesson. And I saved the best till last because this is on a very widely contested topic, and that's basically whether shares or property are the best investment. And when I say this, it's whether property or shares are the best investment for achieving financial independence as early as possible. Dave does acknowledge in the book that both property and shares are both reliable and fundamentally sound investments, being obviously businesses and buildings, which in his words, we cannot imagine a work without. And Dave discusses how, although he has invested in both, he personally believes that shares are better if your goal is to create freedom and passive income. And in short, he discusses how he started up building a property portfolio. He completely dismissed the stock market. He wasn't learning about that. He wasn't interested in it. He found it confusing. And because of that, he went down the property route and developed a fantastic net worth, which is your assets minus your liabilities. However, the problem for him arose when he considered then, okay, well, how am I going to get the income I need to live from these properties? Because he knew that, yes, I've got a big net worth. However, this money is tied up in properties that didn't give him any extra income for him to pay his own bills and pay for his own life after he had actually repaid the mortgages and accounted for other costs, which I assume to be things like rates, insurances, maintenance, management. And if you own a property or you've got an investment property, you would know that these things really do add up and the cost of earning property can be significant, especially when it comes to multiple and they are investments. And he basically realised that he would have enough in savings and investments in terms of within his properties to retire with much less, like we talked about in lesson three, he didn't need as much as he thought. And way earlier, if that money was parked in the right place, which he came to realise was actually the share market and specifically Aussie shares for a lot of reasons. Um, and then what he did is he sold his properties and I th- I think he might have wanted to live in one, but then he put it all into the share market and got so many benefits, which I'll list a few here because I think this, this was a great lesson to really consider, like what are the benefits of this type of investing? But he basically said that they, you know, it's easy to get started, you don't really need to pull on debt like you do for property, Once you understand what you're buying and how the stock market works, it's relatively simple. Um, It's really time efficient with no real maintenance, easy to diversify and you can get extreme diversification really easy. Um, Low cost in terms of brokerage, you've got income with tax credits, especially if you're doing Aussie shares, you do, um, then you get obviously um, more dividends and those tax credits and a huge amount of flexibility and healthy long-term returns. So, He basically weighed up and realized once he looked into investing in the share market again, that this was a better outcome for him and a better way for him to do this. Now, he's not saying that property is not a good investment or wouldn't have produced better results over time, but his goal was to achieve more freedom and utilize that passive income to pay for his life rather than just building up a huge amount of net worth. Because like we've talked about in this podcast, his key lesson that he's trying to convey is that Life is about doing what you value and having more freedom and flexibility to make choices rather than just having a huge net worth. And that is a wrap for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you got something out of it. And if you want to read the book, it is Strong Money Australia by Dave Gal. I would highly recommend it. For our next book club book, we are going to be doing With Zero by Bill Perkins. So that is going to be our May-June book club book. You have two months to read the book along with me if you'd like. And then I will do a podcast episode highlighting the key lessons to get from the book at the end of June. If you are interested in following along with my progress on this, please find me at Her Money's Worth on Instagram or on TikTok. The handle is the same for both of those. Just a reminder, if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on the channel you listen to and give it a five-star review. It greatly helps the podcast to grow and to help other people to find the podcast and start sorting out their money, getting started investing and building long-term wealth along with all of us. Have a great week and I'll speak to you next Wednesday. This is just a quick note to say that nothing on this podcast is financial advice and nothing said on this podcast should be used as the basis for any financial decisions relating to any financial products. I'm not a financial advisor and the purpose of this podcast is to provide you with the education you need to continue doing your own research.